Hello, hello, treatment roomies. Welcome back to the show. Today's episode is sponsored by a very cool new company that we have discovered called Layer Origin. Question for you, do you take a probiotic? How about a prebiotic? Layer Origin was founded by a few food science PhDs from Cornell University who have developed the best prebiotic supplement on the market. It's called Pure HMO. Now, what are HMOs? Why do we want them? What do they do for us? HMOs are the third largest component in human milk that nurtures the immune system and microbiome of infants. Now, I know what you're thinking. I'm not a dairy person. No, thank you. Pure HMO doesn't actually contain human milk. Instead, it is produced by a precise fermentation and purification process. Now, I'm somebody who struggles with an autoimmune disease, IBS, and triggers from both that affect my mental and physical health. Clinical research shows that HMOs can benefit immune function, gut health, and brain cognition in adults. Nutrition authors and podcasters like Ben Greenfeld and Joel Green have been discussing the benefits of HMO lately as well. There's a lot of excitement about prebiotics right now and HMO in particular. To learn more about Layer Origin and all of their products, head to www.layerorigin.com. And as our listener, you are eligible for a special discount. Just type the code TREATMENT at checkout to save 20% off your order. That's TREATMENT, T-R-E-A-T-M-E-N-T in caps at checkout to save 20% off your order at www.lairorigin.com. I will leave all of this information in the notes and here's to better health. You're listening to The Treatment Room with Tess and Lauren, the podcast by estheticians, for estheticians, and those who seek to learn about their own skin from a professional's perspective. We're diving into our whys as licensed skincare therapists, sharing in our career journeys, and separating the gimmicks from the real heroes in skincare. Welcome to The Treatment Room. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the treatment room with Tess and Lauren. We have an absolutely amazing episode for you guys today. And I'm not just saying that. It was one of our favorite conversations. We spoke with Dasha Cyan Marchesi, who is the co-founder of Science Skincare. And we got to say, just it was it was the vibes. It was the feeling we got from Dasha. She is truly a rare gem and somebody we're so excited to share with you. She really took her time before, during, and after the episode. It was like we just couldn't get off the phone. Lauren and I kept saying we felt like we are three sisters. Just it was a meant to be thing. We were meant to meet her and talk to her. Her passion for product and people is so apparent. And we think you're really going to learn a lot about what it takes to truly be an entrepreneur. And for those of you who are interested in having your own skincare line one day, this is a great one for you. I'll give you a bit of background on Dasha. She is the co-founder and current CEO 
of science skincare. She started the brand with her mom, which is a really incredible story we're going to get into. She has over 21 years of experience in the spa industry, and she initially actually went to college for business and marketing and later became a licensed esthetician, a certified nutrition and wellness consultant, and an official ambassador of the Aesthetics International Association. She's also a certified family herbalist as well. So she has a really unique and amazing background. Dasha is also on the editorial advisory board of Dermoscope magazine. She's a big deal and she gives lectures and classes internationally and regularly contributes to the global trade publication. Dasha's brand Science Skincare is founded by estheticians and it's only sold to estheticians. So it's really unique and niche to the industry. And she uses the most advanced natural hypoallergenic skincare products. They contain no artificial color, no artificial fragrance, and no parabens. So it's for use on even the most sensitive skin. At the core of the brand's philosophy, Science Skincare believes all women are beautiful. And that's why they specialize in ethnic skin, which Dasha feels is often overlooked by the mainstream cosmetic industry. We hope you guys find value and enjoy this episode. Always be sure to let us know that you listened, share with us on social media, and let us know what you think. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Treatment Room with Tess and Lauren. We are here today with Dasha Cyan Marchese, founder and owner of Cyan Skincare. We are super excited to have her with us. Thank you so much, Dasha, for coming on. Hi, ladies. Thank you for having me. I'm excited too. Yay. So we wanted to just kind of, I think, dive right in. I would love to know um, about your background and your journey, how you got started in skincare and aesthetics and kind of how you got to where you are today. Well, uh, my mom was an esthetician. And when I was 14 years old, we had a conversation and she said, you know, it would be nice for you to get a little job. And (laughs) naturally, she dragged me into the spa where she worked. And um, I got a job and I was handing out towels um, to all the customers at the spa. So that was my first job. And then I proceeded to be the receptionist. So I've always been around spa, in the spa. Um, And then when I uh, got into college, I thought that it would be, you know, I loved music. I thought that it would behoove me to be a music major. So I got into college on a music scholarship and I was going to esthetician school because my mom said, I'm going to open a company. I want you to be an esthetician as well. You can't just help me out if you're not licensed. So I was going to school for that. I was going to college for music. And one day, my uh, piano teacher, this was the end of the semester, um, she sat me down and she was like, you know what, you're not really doing your piano homework. looks like you're not doing well in the class and you need piano to be a music major. And I just came home and I cried and I'm like, I can't believe it. I'm not doing well in piano and everything depends on piano. And my mom was comforting me and she said, you know, I don't even know if you're going to have a chance to have a music career, how this is looking. We need to really work on our, on our skincare brand and, and I need you. Why don't you just switch to marketing and switch to business? Mm. And something just clicked in my head. And the next day I went and I switched to business 
And so I was doing marketing in college. I was in, uh, in esthetician school and I worked at the spa still. So I had these three jobs and um, this is how everything got started. Uh, when I was still in school, I wasn't really excited about my mom being a skincare therapist because all I knew was the the profession was picking pimples. And for me, it was <laughs> not appealing. I was like, oh, I would never do that. And then when I actually went to esthetician school, it all came together and I just became very passionate about it. And when we started putting our line together, this was 2006. Um, I, I learned so much from my mom. I think she was who inspired me the most to, to really love skincare product, uh, helping other women feel confident and beautiful and just brought me into this world of ingredients and knowledge and compassion for for other men and women and helping them out with their skin issues. Yeah, I think that all makes sense. I think especially with with skincare or with anything when you're growing up around it and mm-hmm. you you just you see your parents doing it, but you have to develop your own relationship with touching people's faces and like you said, generating that compassion. I feel like that fuels your fire so much more. Yeah, I was comfortable at first with it. I just remember when I went to esthetician school, we had, and this was in 2006, uh, I graduated in 2007, I think it was between 2006 and 2007. And um, we would have our instructor come in because we had um, ladies come in and, and book facials with us, like practice facials. Yes. And she would say, we have a woman for a facial who wants to do it. And nobody would raise their hand for me. <laughs> me. Oh, and wow. it was just, I was just jumping up. I'm like, I'm going to do it. They're like, okay, we know you're going to do it. And I had all of my own stuff with me because my mom at that point already was, you know, um, doing demos in school. And we had already our first products and our line and we had the portable high frequency and I had a galvanic and I had all my own products and I would take my big kit and I would just go and I would do this long facial. And I remember even for high school kids when they had their prom, their moms would bring them in and they had a lot of acne and I would take mm-hmm. a long time working with them and I would get a $20 tip for an $8 facial for these girls. Oh. It was incredible. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That's awesome. I got to yeah. say, I was definitely one of those students who was timid yeah. and afraid to raise my hand. So that's oh. awesome. Your mom was able to get you a little bit more comfortable and expose you to it. Yeah, I have really liked people. I think um, it's just in me to try to bring comfort to people and make them feel happy. So I felt like I have to go out there and, you know, help them out and try to see if if I can solve their skin issues. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's amazing. So, so how long did your, did your mom have the spa before she decided to make her own um, skincare line? And like, how did that process start out for her? So my mom was employed at the spa. Uh, she never had her own spa. We were mm-hmm. not doing very well financially. Um, she graduated in 95, I believe, uh, from uh, esthetician school. And at that time, she went to work. Uh, she was a rep for a product line, and she went to work at a spa as an esthetician. And 
she was making less than 20,000 a year. So mm-hmm. it was, yeah, money was really tight. Um, you know, I was going to school and we had our grandmother with us. So we had to make that money work. And what my mom kept telling me was, I wish there were product lines that you could just buy a little bit of and not have to commit to a um, minimum order. And this was a big thing for us, you know, because she didn't have a whole lot of money and she was just working um, as a skincare therapist in somebody else's spa. She just couldn't afford to buy all the products. So what we would do is she would buy a couple of creams and then she would sell them and then that would repeat again. And when we started uh, to actually think about having our own line, my my mom did, her primary focus was I want to make this affordable without a minimum order so you don't have to struggle, you know, to try to buy good quality products. Um, And another thing was because of her English, it, you know, didn't, it was harder for her to understand a lot of the uh, trainings, very complicated product lines with a hundred SKUs. And, you know, for every skin condition, there was a hundred SKUs. So she wanted to create a product line that was small, cohesive, and you didn't have to buy a whole lot of products at once, but they they were really um, focused on high quality ingredients. Um, the product was concentrated and clinical. So this is how we started. And when we started, we would, we, we used to sit in our kitchen and we have these gallons and we would just, you know, take a spoon and just put them into the jars. And we used to wear hair nets and it was just like, you know, I never had any free time. We would sit all night to do that. And then after we put the product in, then we'd stick the labels and we would drive Sometime we, we'd have a demo somewhere in San Diego or Riverside and just get in the car at 5 a.m. and we'd drive out there to do a demo and to sell some product. So it was on a very small scale um, and it was exhausting, <laughs> <laughs> much like any business that you start yeah. in the beginning. But as we uh, began to grow, we would get phone calls. You know, we never had an office initially when we started because we didn't, I don't know if we, we didn't believe that the, the line would take off, but just we were treading lightly and we were thinking, well, who knows? Maybe we'll do well. Maybe we won't do well. We didn't really have an office. We had forwarded uh, all calls to our cell phone. And I remember we were on our way to do a demo somewhere. And all of a sudden we get a phone call and I just pick up the phone and I go, Science Skincare, thanks for calling. And the woman goes, oh, hi, I'd like to place an order. And we're like, what? An order? Yeah, we were so surprised. <laughs> we were super surprised that somebody actually re- reordered. She's like, yeah, I'm out of the serum and the cream and I need a mask. And, and I didn't even have a piece of paper. And I'm like scrambling around in the car for a piece of paper and a pen. And, and we like wrote down her information. And we were so happy. This was the first time that actually we got an order. And as we started going to trade shows, uh, we saw more and more positive feedback, people taking more of our classes. And that's how it started. But it was a lot of work. You know, um, it was a lot of um, unpleasant work, like driving uh, back and forth to the storage, like filling the jars and 
all of yeah. the things that you don't think you're going to be doing. <laughs> you think that you're just <laughs> going to be out there in a beautiful outfit talking about your product and everybody's going to run towards you with a credit card. But, you know, <laughs> you, know. <laughs> you have to. It doesn't always happen like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have to go through the initial steps and then um, it will get there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And I, I love that you guys are so, um, so focused on estheticians and making it doable for estheticians, because I've been in, um, like on the more business side, working for product companies for the past few years. And I've found that, you know, a lot of times companies will almost cater their policies towards larger, um, you know, chain spas, or basically just the people who have the money to invest a ton into skincare. They don't necessarily have policies that work for everybody, like a single esthetician who doesn't want to stock a thousand dollars worth of one product SKU. Mm -hmm. so yeah, I absolutely. Think, yeah. That's, I think it's that's what we do. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're here for people. We're estheticians made by estheticians for estheticians and all of our staff uh, is a licensed esthetician and we're run by women. We're all woman owned and operated companies. So we definitely um, do care about the individual um, single institutions out there. Yeah. I absolutely love this question, and I'm glad that you asked it earlier on in, in our talk, because um, the real reason is corneotherapy. So corneotherapy is a methodology that's all about repairing, restoring, regenerating the skin barrier. And when we talk about that, um, we, we more talk about the ingredients we don't use and the ingredients we use. So we don't use um, artificial fragrances, artificial colors, mineral oil, parabens, emulsifiers, uh, habit-forming ingredients. We do use very gentle ingredients like jojoba oil, apricot kernel oil, high molecular weight, hyaluronic acid, plant-based peptides, non-comedogenic oils, um, bioidentical growth factors. So the real reason here, why is the product so wonderful for ethnic skin is because it's gentle and you can't do any harm. So as you know, um, if you're working on darker skin on the Fitzpatrick, it's more prone to post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. Uh, it could be colloidal, right? Because that melanin, it acts to protect the skin. So what's happening here is if you try to go in with a strong laser, a strong peel, right, or any kind of, um, let's say, tools like a lancing something, uh, you may damage the skin because it's activating that inflammatory response. So the way that we use uh, our natural bioidentical ingredients is to suppress tyronosase uh, activity. So if you're talking about a hyperpigmentation product, let's say instead of hydroquinone, uh, which can be a flare-up, 
We use nonapeptide, tyrostat, alpha-arbutin, kojic acid, very gentle um, plant-based ingredients instead of something harsh that can cause damage. Yeah. So uh, we, when we started, we just wanted to have a really gentle line for everybody. And we're seeing that a lot of Asian customers, Hispanic, Indian, uh, African-American, they all love the product because it's gentle and you can in no way cause any long-term damage or, or hyperpigmentation or hypopigmentation in those skin types. Yeah, I think that's so important. And I think it's something I definitely notice when, when I'm working with people of color. They A lot of times they'll come in and when you're doing the initial consultation, they're a little bit hesitant and they want to understand that you've worked on ethnic skin types, they want to understand that you understand me as a, a, a white person, the trauma that can occur from, you know, things like using a lancet or a peel that's too harsh. Honestly, this is so great that, that you just mentioned that because the aesthetic textbook I had during my school days was lacking a deeper understanding of multi-ethnic skin. I can't stress it enough. We as estheticians need to take postgraduate training to avoid accidentally causing harm. So don't be afraid of working with ethnic skin, of working with somebody who's darker on the Fitzpatrick than your previous clients. I, I just highly recommend you take some postgraduate training because as you know, after we graduate from aesthetic school, we don't get all the knowledge. We have to go to postgraduate training to get more. Um, I, I personally highly recommend my friend, Elish Pierce. She wrote the Milady book, Treating Diverse Pigmentation. It, yeah, uh, if you haven't read it, if you're not familiar with her, she's wonderful. She trains estheticians on how to work with ethnic skin. Um, and, uh, she, you know, you can follow her on Instagram. She actually reached out to me. Um, this is how I found out that the product is so well, um, compatible with ethnic skin is because she reached out a few years ago and I've already read her book and I was so starstruck. I said, hi, <laughs> well, how can I help you? And she said, you know, your product looks really good. I'd like to do, a, um, she was doing a trial, um, and, uh, using a Vizia scan to see before and afters for ethnic skin, uh, for hyperpigmentation. And that's how we became friends because she, uh, loved my product and she agreed with the formulation. So yeah, if you guys are, um, interested for all of our listeners, I would recommend get in touch with one of our fellow African-American estheticians who trains on ethnic skin and you will get so much more information and training and never, never be afraid to treat uh, ethnic skin or darker Fitzpatrick skin. Just learn um, in all the best ways how you can treat it. Yeah, I think because it was the same for me when um, I went to school, I graduated in 2010. We got no education on ethnic mm -hmm. skin. It just, it just literally didn't exist in our coursework. And um, I think it's amazing that there's that there are those options now because Tess and I preach that all the time that you have to continue your training because I don't know about any other state, but I know in California, they don't require us to do any type of training to keep our license active. Mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah. So going through those courses, it's so important. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just 600 hours here. And 
then you're out there in in the real world <laughs> and if you don't if you don't continue your education there's always new devices new product new methodologies uh, you mm -hmm. have to keep up with the times mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. exactly i mean even if i think about just everything i've learned through social media with keeping up um with other estheticians in the field people who are more experienced than me who have different training like there's so much to learn, even after being licensed now for 10 years. I'm constantly, constantly learning. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. When you think about it, we were all, for the most part, trained on the European facial. So, so much is obviously left out of the equation. And like you said, Dasha, it's, it can be a bit of a rude awakening when you're walking into your first job as an esthetician. And uh, of course, you're open to people of all skin types, so it's better to be prepared. And we can definitely list that that class in the show notes for everyone to take a look at. Dasha, I want to ask, just reflecting on all of your experience, say somebody wants to go out on their own and create their own skincare line. Are there any things you can think of looking back on the process that you would say don't make this mistake or definitely be sure to do this? Oh, wow. This is a good question. Um, so yes, uh, I think so. Um, when you're creating a skincare line, you have to understand that it's a process and you're not going to be successful overnight. Um, you have to try other products first and understand what you like and what you don't like to create mm -hmm. a good identity. A lot of the times when you go to a laboratory and you tell them, you know, I want to make a product, let's do it. This is, you know, I want a, a hand cream or a serum or whatever it mm -hmm. is. They'll give you a high minimum, uh, which would be maybe 5,000 units or a certain number of drums. And a lot of times without thinking about it, uh, people just commit to it because they think that this is the best way to go. If you mm -hmm. can start by testing products, some laboratories will make you a private label product. Mm -hmm. And even if you're trying to be proud and you're going to say, well, I don't want to do private label. I want my own formula and this and that. Test mm -hmm. the waters because you need to understand, do you have enough clientele to purchase all of this? 5,000 units is huge. You need to figure out how to store it and good uh, temperature controlled environment, how to not let it go to waste. You need mm -hmm. to test the waters, see if a similar type of formula will work out. How many uh, customers will you have in your marketing channels? Um, you also need to understand about packaging, your identity, how you're going to sell it. If you're going to sell it on Amazon, if you're going to sell it on your website, if you're going to do B2B. Um, that's what we do. We sell to estheticians. So mm -hmm. there's a lot involved. Before committing my my first uh, device that I want to give, thinking back how my mom and I used to sit there in the kitchen and just pour from a huge gallon <laughs> into the jars. This was our cheapest, most available, inexpensive way of uh, making the, the product. Obviously, you know, we didn't go with the fanciest way. We went with the most affordable to try to actually understand if we can make money. And second, um, we didn't buy into the huge minimums. We first tried it out um, to see how we can sell it, 
and then we went ahead. Most important, I just want to say, is don't um, try to chase after any kind of uh, uh, imaginary scenario or dream you see on Instagram or anywhere else. The most important thing in business is actual money. Are you making money selling this or are you just showing off and then you have nothing to put in your pocket for your family? A lot of times when you want to look big, you, you know, you run after all the big things, the uh, fancy marketing firms and the PR firms and the advertisements and the huge booths at the show and the huge staff or office. But in reality, you need to start focusing. Is this going to put actual cash in my pocket or am I just showing off and I have nothing to show for it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We we hear that so often. It almost seems like it's sort of the theme of all of our interviews with successful brand founders. It's just, you know, not chasing what you see on Instagram or Mm -hmm. the idea of your own brand. And just, I think being patient and, and really understanding, like you said, it, it takes money to keep, keep a brand and a vision going. Yes, and then you're going to drive yourself crazy by comparing <laughs> yourself to everybody on Instagram. Uh, my husband doesn't like me looking at Instagram. When he sees me looking at something, he's like, what are you looking at? Because he's afraid. He's afraid I'm going to look at, you know, I'm looking at somebody uh, who's skinnier than me or something like this because this is how I get, you know, when you see somebody uh, who's achieving more or, you know, better skin, better body, this and that, and then you just get pretty down and that's going to mess with your um, uh, business uh, activity and your ability to manage things. Yeah. You're just going to be down all the time and you're not going to be in the mood to be successful. So just uh, do you, you know, forget about all the uh, flashing lights and just focus on what matters and have a good reason for bringing this product in is this product needed or are you just replicating something that already exists? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to your point about, you know, basically the bottom line is, is the money and what you're bringing in. We just spoke with um, an accountant in one of our previous episodes about, um, you know, having a profitable and successful business because a lot of times estheticians, you know, we don't get that training in school. So she was saying the same thing. She was like, you can invest too much and you can overdo it. So especially when it comes to, you know, those product minimums of 5,000 jars, you have to be so realistic. And like you said, if it, if it means pouring from, you know, a gallon jug and, you know, doing all your own products, that's, that's what you're going to have to do. Because if you're not making any money, then, you know, it's kind of turns into a pipe dream. Absolutely. I like to watch uh, shark tank <laughs> and uh, sometimes yeah. when, yeah, it's, it's incredible. I, I watch it. And then when you watch some of these people, uh, when they get asked, how much money did you put into the business? And, and they say something like $500,000 and they have nothing to show for it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's because it's because you, you believe it, you have a dream. And then if you put the money, you know, you think that it's all just going to happen. But unfortunately, you know, the way we started our business, just an example, we didn't have money. So we put down $3,000 of our own that we had saved up. That was all our savings. And this was in 2006. And a thousand was uh, from that was even not our own. It was borrowed from the owner of the spa that 
I was telling you ladies where I worked when I was 14. Mm -hmm. And years later, this was, I think, two years later, one year later, I think it was pretty quick. um, After we started making money back, my mom came to him and she gave him $1,000 back. And he was really puzzled. He was like, what is this for? And she's like, well, you helped us open our business. Remember, you let me borrow $1,000. And he's like, oh, I don't even remember that. Really? (laughs) So with $3,000, we started our business. And it may seem to somebody like an incredibly small amount of money, but we made it happen. We bought enough product in jars. And the rest of it was just our time and our passion and all of the the drive and you know all of the things that you can't buy with money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know Lauren touched on a little bit the idea of starting small. How many products did you guys start out, and what was that core group of products like? So we initially, what we have now is we have three different targeted lines. And these lines are the three most important concerns that your client will come to see you for. In my understanding, in in my belief, that is anti-aging, acne, and hyperpigmentation. Mm -hmm. Most of the issues will be these three. These are the most broad issues. Uh, We initially just started with two. We started with an anti-aging line and an acne line. And we had two different cleansers. So we had a milky cleanser and a foamy with alpha hydroxy. We had um, an anti-aging serum and cream with peptides. Actually, it's the same exact formula that we use now. Um, Many years later, we had a pure hyaluronic and acne spot treatment and a um, enzyme mask, which is one of our best sellers to this day. All of the products that we started with are still in the rotation and are bestsellers. Mm. And the enzyme mask, yeah, it's just amazing. I think when something is so good, you don't want to mess with it. But also when we started in 2006, we started with ingredients that were already brand new and innovative. We based everything on hyaluronic acid and we had six different peptides in the serum and cream, um, you know, argyrolene, matrixyl, palmitol, like a peptide, palmitol, tetrapeptide. So we, we just, you know, went out with a bang when we started <laughs> mm-hmm. and we still keep the same, the same product. Well, it makes sense. I think those are phenomenal ingredients to base a line off of because it's all about hydration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what that's what I love about Cyan skincare products is it's just nourishing, hydrating, repairing, mm-hmm. um, and that's what um, I think makes us ideal for every skin type and every skin concern. Right, right. Because everybody needs all of those things. When it came to marketing and just introducing the world to this brand you and your mom had worked so hard to create. What were some of the steps you took to spread the word? Was it those live demonstrations and word of mouth where you were working alongside estheticians? Yeah, exactly. So we were, my mom being from the Soviet Union, she was, she ruled with an iron fist and she she did not believe any in Facebook or anything like this. Um, so 
<laughs> I know. <laughs> so, so what we would do is uh, we would go and do product demos for all of the schools in California. And we did shows at one point. Um, we did about 20 shows per year oh, and wow. that, that's a lot. Yeah. That's that's a, lot. Lot, a lot. So if you, if you think about being on an airplane, like two, two to four times a month, that was exactly that. And it's very taxing. Um, and it's, you know, it can, it can be, um, it can be repetitive, but I, I enjoyed it. I've been doing shows for 13 years and I actually still love it. I miss the shows now that we're in this limbo yeah. <laughs> um, period, <laughs> but we did a lot of shows and um, the way that we got our name out personally from my mom and for me, both of us have written a lot of articles and because we would teach um, different trade magazines would reach out asking, do you want to contribute? Here's a list of our, uh, editorial topics. If you'd like an article, you know, please let us know because we'd love to have you contribute. And to this day, I write a lot of articles, Dermoscope, Lenovella Statique, Nassim Pro Publication, you know, American Spa. Um, so I, I think that if you are active in the community, people will know you and people will gravitate towards, you know, your demo classes or your booth. Just to find out, you know, this person gave some really good information when I was reading the article. Let me try the product. The product has to be good. And we never did anything. So I have a, I have a hard um, no on Amazon. So we don't sell anything on Amazon, not even on Amazon Beauty or in any special circumstances. Um, we don't sell in stores. We have protect password protected wholesale prices for estheticians. So for us, even though that limits the units of you know product we potentially can sell, we keep it mm, special for estheticians and limited. So that's my PR and my mm. marketing strategy. Um, yeah, I, I think we're small and I don't mind that. Um, I don't like to feel. Uh, like things are snowballing out of control with my business. And I feel that right. the, the more different, you know, places you try to sell the product or give people rights or this and that, and then it's going to get out of control. And I'll have mm -hmm. a statistician coming and telling me that, you know, you sold out or this and that. So mm -hmm. yes, I, I guess I'm pretty archaic with my marketing strategy, but <laughs> <laughs> it works well. It, it hasn't let me down yet. Well, and I think that, I mean, I wouldn't even consider it archaic. I think it's, I think it's strategic and I think it would really allow you to, to maintain that reputation of being not only for estheticians and being so almost like exclusive with estheticians, but it also creates that reputation of being, being something that's sought after and not something that you can find on, you know, any street corner or Amazon beauty or whatever it is. I think it's strategic and it allows you to to maintain and keep, like you said, keep control of your brand. Yeah, thank you. I always tell girls, I say, you know, be very careful when you're buying things off of eBay or, or Amazon and you know this is not the verified source. There's so mm -hmm. many different, you know, you hear this all the time that somebody's reselling products and you don't know where it comes from. It could be expired. You don't yeah. know. You, you or they could be just using empty jars with somebody's name and pouring in some something else. So you always want to be safe 
contact manufacturer. If you're worried about pricing, if you can't afford it, always reach out to the product manufacturer because all of us have wholesale pricing for estheticians. And you'll see that the price is really reasonable if you just go directly to the source. Yeah, I saw somebody post something online recently. I think it was like a Facebook like beauty group or something. But somebody had said, oh, I found this certain product at TJ Maxx. Do you mm -hmm. think that it's like legit mm -hmm. or, you know, could it be expired? And, I, you know, of course, every comment was like, um, probably <laughs> not like legit, probably expired, probably, you know, whatever. So you have to be so careful of that. Oh, totally. I go to, you know, we have a TJ Maxx slash home goods over here by my house and mm -hmm. I'll, I'll go in. Um, I'm a home goods addict. Yeah, I love, <laughs> you know, there's never too many pillows in this house. Right. But yeah. I see a lot of things because I'll walk through and I'll see what they have and they sell everything starting from, you know, dermal rollers to different skincare products and uh, mm -hmm. anything, anything you'll find there. Um, I don't know. I don't feel that comfortable to buy things just, um, you know, for the price. I'd rather do my research and mm -hmm. get, you know, the, the maybe I want to say the best one uh, if I'm getting something very special uh, or at least to purchase it from the manufacturer just to feel that safety that I'm not getting something that's spoiled or uh, defective. Yeah, it's just the more hands it passes through, the more yeah. skeptical mm -hmm. I am. And <laughs> you just don't know. And I think it's something that's become so prevalent, like you said, with the microneedling devices and whatnot. You know, people, all of these tools are so accessible and there's not always enough information about what makes a product safe for the skin or not. And then add on the fact that these are consumers, people who don't have a background in skin, you know, using these devices, who knows how? Oh, of course. So it just and gets a, yeah. a little bit dicey. Yeah, it gets dicey. And then when it comes to something invasive, at first, you know, mm -hmm. you see reputable brands making devices like the microneedling, and everything's mm -hmm. great. And then a month later, it, it, the industry is littered with them and you have no idea which one is good and which one is cheapy, you know, imitation. So yeah, of course, this is why I always say, uh, take more classes, go to trade shows, ask questions, um, try things. Um, yeah, you just have to educate yourself. And, and here's the thing, uh, don't just rely on branding or advertisement to determine your decision, your purchasing decision. Because advertising is supposed to make you want to buy it. You can advertise, uh, you know, the, the uh, most simple thing to be something extraordinary. And people will pay $500 mm -hmm. for it because um, it sounds good. Yeah. And I think that a lot of consumers, too, one of the big issues is that a lot of consumers don't realize, like, how few regulations there are, you mm -hmm. know, in the skincare industry. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's... There's, there's not much from what I understand. And so it's, I think it's, it's even more important to, to do your research and to, you know, if you're a consumer to consult your esthetician or, you know, somebody that's professional or the skincare brand itself. Cause one of, when I saw that post about somebody, you know, at TJ Maxx, I was thinking, well, email the brand and ask them, Hey, I found this at TJ Maxx. Are they an authorized reseller of your product? And that way you'll know for sure. 
Absolutely. And so many different loopholes now, too. You just mentioned about regulations in the states. For manufacturers, obviously, you know, it is important to sell their product. So let's say you go to a show and somebody's demonstrating a device. We are in California, you know, we're licensed here. We know the rules. So if a mm -hmm. device is something that we're not allowed to perform here as a licensed uh, California statistician, it's out of our scope. It doesn't matter if they're showing this device. You have to be informed about what is in our scope. And even if this was advertised to you, um, be aware that you shouldn't be doing this. You know, if, if um, the, the state regulation dictates this is something that we can't do. So check, check your state board um, to find out what is in your state, what is um, allowed by your scope of practice. Yeah, yeah, I think that's an amazing point. And we would urge consumers to to be more skeptical than trusting is something Lauren and I talk about often, because it can be really difficult to decide if a skincare product is is good or bad. So doing your research and always just erring on the side of caution, I think is a good idea. I know you have a background in wellness and your mom was also somebody who was a big advocate of healthy living and wellness. For our listeners who are wanting to maybe take a positive step with their lifestyle and have it reflect in their skin, are there certain, certain things you think are really important that a beginner could go about doing? Oh my goodness. I could talk about this for hours, <laughs> for hours. Um, I think I think that um, it's pretty obvious um, that diet has a lot to do with how our skin looks. Um, so I advocate an anti-inflammatory diet. And there's one book that I'm particularly fond of that I've had for years. My mom has had this book. It's called The Body Ecology Diet by Donna Gates. Um, mm -hmm. If you have heard of Candida, mm -hmm. yes, you will understand the concept in this book. So um, the, the anti-inflammatory principle here is by eating more of the alkalizing foods, by reducing sugar and dairy and all the things, you know, when you see an acne uh, patient, you're, you know right away, mm -hmm. you want to cut out mm -hmm. the dairy, the sugar, you know, any uh, kind of inflammatory factors that may be contributing to their acne. So this diet is for somebody who may have acne flare-ups or uh, yeast infections or just mood swings, right? Depression, being overweight or bloated all the time. So I really recommend it. It's not for somebody who wa wants to walk in the park. This is a strong, serious uh, diet because you're going to want to overeat or you're going to want a little piece of sweet fruit or something like this. But if you can convince yourself to uh, do this type of uh, meal plan for, for about a month, then you'll see a lot of difference in your skin. I'm not saying this is for everybody, but for somebody who has a lot of skin concerns like acne, inflammation, and also leaky gut, this is a wonderful mm. one. Um, so just eating right, you know, less sugar, less dairy, reduce caffeine intake, lots of water can't stress this mm -hmm. enough. And like coffee doesn't count as water. Diet Coke doesn't count as water. <laughs> it's just water. <laughs> uh, sleep. Sleep is important. You know, get your yes. sleep. Um, 
exercise and this doesn't have to be anything with even having a gym. A lot of people are, you know, complaining because, you know, you can't go to the gym right now, but exercise can even be going for a longer walk, go for a walk, you know? Yeah. Just things to keep you moving, to circulate that blood and reduce stagnation. Mm -hmm. Sunscreen. And that's, that's something that we all can do sunscreen, sunscreen, sunscreen. And it doesn't matter if you are just out there, you know, for 10 minutes or 15 minutes, or if you're going to the beach, I always recommend sunscreen as a part of your healthy daily routine, washing Mm -hmm. your face before going to bed. And, um, you know, lots of rest when you need it, less stress. I know it's really easy Mm -hmm. to say it, but, you know, less stress, show yourself love, you know, take a nice bath, do something that makes you happy, dance, you know, around the house, um, just make, um, yeah. (laughs) Um, be joyful, be joyful. Yeah. Like make, make yourself feel happy. Show love to your body. Yeah. Mm. So underrated, right? Because we're always looking for external factors to come in and make us happy and and make us healthy but I think just kind of making time for yourself to really enjoy and that includes going to get a facial right so regular facials (laughs) right yeah just when when it's the time (laughs) yeah when we can all go it's just showing yourself love going to get a facial or going to get a massage these are not luxuries these are just ways for us to thank our body for taking us through life and for you know giving us um uh, you know every day an ability to work get our things done you know Mm -hmm. explore the world just go and you know do do yourself a favor go get a massage and get a facial and and keep it up at home but um if yeah, I can't even choose one. I could talk about this for hours. <laughs> Just and you know, you know what's good for you and you know what's bad for you. So when mm-hmm. you when you start to, you know, stuff your face with a whole cake, just <laughs> you know, if your body wants it, have some cake. Go for it. Yeah. Uh, but but then, you know, go back to your regular anti-inflammatory and drink water and don't beat yourself up for it. So just Mm -hmm. let it go, enjoy your day, have your cake, and then, you know, love your body and then just go from there. Don't stress too much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that that's something that Tess and I have both said before. It's just like you have to have that balance. And I think that there's there's so much emphasis on, like you mentioned, like high intensity workouts and you're running and you're doing this and you're Mm -hmm. doing that. that's not always what your body needs. And sometimes that can be, you know, an added stress that your body doesn't want when you would be better off doing, you know, low impact Pilates or yoga or something like that. But like listening to your body is so, so, so underrated. I think it's becoming more prevalent, but yeah, I think listening to your body, I can't say it enough. Yeah, of course. When you see everybody doing these crazy workouts, you know, you just think that you have to do it as well, but it's not for everybody. And sometimes it depletes your body and the ones that get really into it, they, you know, I personally, I do like to exercise. I I have a, I have a bike and, you know, all of that, but, um, there's some women that overdo it to the point where they stop having their period and everything goes 
goes out of out of whack in the body. So just know, just know, you know, I can rest today. I don't have to go crazy today. Let's do something softer. And walks are excellent. Yeah, yeah. it's just just a nice balance, but it's more important to recognize that you are taking care of your body and doing it with love out of love for your body and not because you need to burn off a plate of pasta or because you, you, you know, you feel like you're fat or something like this. Absolutely not exercise Mm -hmm. just to circulate the blood, to feel uh, more alive, to feel, you know, a good rush of energy, but not to punish yourself for calories or anything like this. Yeah, so much of what you just said really, really resonated with me. I'm definitely going to check out the book you mentioned. I'm, yeah, I'm somebody who struggles with Hashimoto's and lots of inflammation in the body. And I also I love working out. I actually love to lift heavy weights, but it's something I notice it does induce inflammation. And it's something I have to weigh with my autoimmune disease. And I love exercise, but I, I have to know there, my body needs to recover and you have to give yourself time to rest. It's okay to rest. I feel like some people who love to work out, it's like those rest days are actually really hard because it's a bit of a battle with yourself, but it's just as important for you to relax and have that time for yourself, do something you love get a facial. Even I feel like half of the benefit of the facial is just lying down in a dark Mm -hmm. room and having that time for yourself and telling yourself you deserve this time to rest. Yes, exactly. I totally agree. I go for acupuncture. Also, I lay down and for the 20 minutes, I just uh, zonk out. And, (laughs) and, And I don't know if it's doing something. I'm sure it does something, but I like the sleep. I like that 20 minute rest. And when I was in beauty school, I would ask when I was really, really tired because I had all these three different, you know, things I had to do, you know, during the time and the job and the college and beauty school. And then I would just lay down on the, on one of the beds and I would tell, tell one of my girlfriends, can you do a facial on me while I sleep or just pretend? (laughs) Yeah. Just pretend. Absolutely. Rest, rest, rest. And then don't look at anybody else. Exactly. Because if you see them going 24 hours a day, that's not a call for you to go 24 hours a day. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Keep your blinders on, stay in your lane, focus Mm -hmm. on what you want to do. Keep your eyes on your paper and yeah, (laughs) there you go. (laughs) Well, Dasha, thank you so much for all of the insights. I know our listeners are really going to love this episode. Thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Yay, absolutely. And Dasha, can you tell us for anyone that's not already um, following you where they can find you online? Uh, Yeah, so it's Cyan, like S-A-I-A-N, like the brand name, underscore skincare on Instagram. Perfect. Cool. And then you have a website as well. It's it's cyanskincare.net, I believe. Dot net. Mm Mm-hmm. Thank you so, so much. We love talking to you and we look forward to airing this episode. Same here. Thank you. Thank you. We'll talk to you all in the next one.